Well, good evening this Maundy Thursday, and welcome. We invite you to join us. If you haven't gotten the bulletin, you can download it from adventbirmingham.org worship. As you're able, would you please stand with me as we join together and sing. Bless the Lord who forgiveth all our sins. His mercy endureth forever. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ saith. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Almighty Father, whose dear Son on the night before he suffered did institute the sacrament of his body and blood, mercifully grant that we may thankfully receive the same in remembrance of him who in these holy mysteries giveth us a pledge of life eternal, the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
A reading from the first epistle of St. Paul to the Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The word of the Lord.
Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that this hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a while while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Let us pray. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we ask at this time that you would come and glorify your Son. Help us to see him, help us to love him, and help us to walk in his ways. This we ask through your, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In times of trial, in times of chaos and calamity, we're often exposed for who we really are. When the flames of the furnace burn red hot, all our pretenses, all our masks that we've been hiding behind, they just all melt away. And the world gets a good look at, the cur- uh, look at what's left behind the curtain. The refining fire is a popular theme throughout the Bible. And it points to a time of judgment and trial that comes and refines all of our impurities so that we're left with pure gold. This image is vividly recounted for us in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament when Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego refused to worship King Nebuchadnezzar and they're put into a furnace for their rebellion. But the flames of that furnace only expose their trust in God and his power to deliver them from their trial. This pandemic has brought out some of the worst of human nature, from people hoarding toilet paper to asking the elderly to sacrifice their lives to the economy. We've been exposed as having a very thin skin that is easily broken when tried and tested. Anxious and fearful and selfish, our sinful nature has been exposed by the flames of our current furnace. When our passage in John 13, Jesus is in a similar predicament, preparing for his greatest trial yet. In verse 1, we're told that 
these events are happening just before the festival of Passover. The Passover was a festival that remembers a time when God had delivered Israel out of slavery in Egypt. It was when God passed over the firstborn in each home that had slaughtered a lamb and painted their doorway with its blood. Jesus knew that this hour had come, that it was a time for him to depart from this world and go to the Father. He can see what lays ahead. He can see the shadow of the, clo- of the cross looming, looming over him. Excuse me. <clears throat> He's about to face the most pain and suffering he could ever endure. Tortured, whipped, and beaten by the Roman soldiers, and then hung on a cross to suffocate and die. Humiliated and thrown out of the city when he would become the Passover lamb who was sacrificed for us so that our sins might be passed over. It would be totally understandable for Jesus, as fully human, to act the same way that we have been during this pandemic. As fully divine, he can see what's coming ahead. He knows that one of his closest friends, someone who's been with him for the past three years, is about to betray him. He knows his time is coming to an end, and it would be very easy for him to become defensive and judge Judas for the evil he's about to commit. It would be understandable for Jesus to condemn the world for the tragedy that is about to be brought upon him when humanity will take their saviour and nail him to a tree, executing him as a common criminal. But what do we read in the end of verse 1? It says, Having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. J.C. Ryle notes, knowing perfectly well that they are about to forsake him shamefully in a very few hours, in full view of their approaching display of weakness and infirmity, our blessed master did not cease to have loving thoughts of his disciples. He was not weary of them. He loved them to the last. Jesus wasn't Freaking out, he didn't lash out or become anxious. He didn't overreact to the situation at all. Instead, he loved. He loved them to the very end. How? What allowed him to love even when those he loved would betray him? Well, look at verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, it's, what, it's this knowledge that Jesus has. Jesus knew that God the Father was still in control of all things. He knew that the Father who created all things in heaven and on earth, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, that this God has the whole world in his hands. He knew that none of this had caught the Father by surprise. He had an eternal, eternal and heavenly perspective when all the world around him was crumbling down. He kept his eyes fixed on heaven, knowing that these light and momentary afflictions are not worth comparing to the glory that was awaiting him. And secure in this knowledge that the Father uh, has love for him and is in control, Jesus was able to love This knowledge of God's sovereignty directed his actions. And loving people is not easy in the best of times. But to do it in a time of fear and anxiety, in the face of death, to love someone without return, that is supernatural. Jesus could only do it because he was certain of the knowledge of God's love for him. And out of this security, out of this certainty, he was led to a great display of love to washing of the disciples' feet. And it's in this act that we see what God is like. He is a God that washes stinky, dirty feet, even the feet of those who would betray him. He comes down off his throne, humbles himself and puts himself under our feet. The master of the universe has become the servant of the disciples. And here we get a glimpse of what love looks like, giving up one's rights and freedoms, giving up one's desires and abilities, 
giving up comfort and safety for the sake of serving others. Note, though, that this is not an approval of the actions of others. Jesus in no way applauds or approves of Judas's sinful betrayal of him. In fact, in verse 11, we're told that Judas remains unclean because of his betrayal. This uncleanness refers to the sickness of sin in his heart. But in love, unselfish, unmerited, in the face of sin, Jesus turns the other cheek, gets down on his knees and cleans the disciples' feet. This act of foot washing was a foreshadow of the cleaning that Jesus would give us through his death on the cross. It's a foretaste of what is to come. Through his death and resurrection, we are made clean. See, it's through our sin, through our rebellion against God, through our selfishness and self-interest that we dirty ourselves with evil. And through that evil, through that dirtiness that we have, we become unworthy and unable to stand before the perfect and holy God. We become unworthy to have a relationship with him at all. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are forgiven. Our sin is dealt with. We are cleansed from all unrighteousness and made clean once again so that we can once again be in relationship with God. This is what Isaiah means in Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. This healing is not physical, but rather spiritual. Just as Jesus washing the disciples' feet is a physical act that points to a spiritual reality. The spiritual reality that we all need to be made clean through the forgiveness of our sins so that we might have a right relationship with God, brought into his kingdom, living under his rule once again. Brothers and sisters, don't be deceived. We will still suffer physically in this life, but we have hope that one day when Jesus returns, our physical suffering will be no more. And there will be a time when there will be no more pain or suffering, when every tear will be wiped away. And this hope is sure and certain because we know that Easter is coming, that Jesus has been raised from the dead and death has been conquered. Well, what does all this mean for us today? Well, in verse 15, Jesus says, For I have set you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Jesus calls us to love others just as he's shown love for his disciples. Does that mean that we wash each other's feet? Well, you, you can do that, but I, I'm not commanding it. It's not a command. Foot washing is only mentioned once more in passing in the rest of the New Testament letters. But more likely the principle is to love, to think of others more highly than yourself just as Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But how do we do that in this time of COVID-19? Firstly, examine your heart and your attitude and not think of yourself as higher or better than anyone else. Like Jesus, don't consider your position as something to be taken advantage of. But in love and humility, think of others more highly than yourself. Think of ways that you can put the needs of others before your own. This is partly why we have ceased gathering corporately, because we're seeking to love others by stopping the spread of this virus, so that we might love the elderly and the vulnerable, the doctors and the nurses within our church family. Their need is greater than our need to do things as we normally would. Secondly, think about how you might express this love to others like Jesus has, showing others that they are important, that they are worth your time and your energy, worth your attention. That might look like calling people on the phone or even when you don't want to do that or you know, writing them a letter or doing something small, a small task for them, mowing their lawn or taking out the trash. For some of us, for some of us that might mean 
putting ourselves at risk to care for others. I'm very thankful for our healthcare workers and others who are doing this day in, day out, working to help keep the rest of us safe and healthy. But please, please, please do not put others at risk from your own foolishness. But whatever it might mean, this is a great time to express God's love for the world in creative but safe ways. I myself am very reluctant to do this, but I'm trying to get into the habit of writing letters during this time. Forgive me if you don't get a letter from me. Uh, I'm trying to do that my, that I might be able to reach out to people and let them know that I'm thinking of them, that I care about them. That's just one small thing that you can do. Well, in this time of fear and anxiety, it's very easy to be, become selfish and narrow. We've seen that in the panic buying of toilet paper. When it comes to push and shove, we become narrow-minded, thinking that we have to look out for number one. But Jesus here calls us to stop looking inward, stop thinking only about ourselves. He calls us to love one another. And through this love, the world will see Jesus and know that we are his disciples. But we can only do this through his power and by his spirit. Our love can only come in response to the love that God has poured out in us in Jesus by giving up his very life that we might be made clean. We are free to love only because he first loved us and gave himself for us as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And out of this love for us, through his grace and mercy, we're given the Holy Spirit who revives our hearts and gives us the power to love God and others. So we can love freely, knowing that we are truly and deeply loved by God. This this gives us the ability to love with abandon, for our security, our identity are found in Christ. We can love without return, for we have all the love that we need in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So brothers and sisters in Christ, once you were far off, once You were alienated from God once you walked in darkness, doing evil and wickedness in this world. But now God, who is rich in mercy, has poured out his love on you in Jesus Christ, that you might be cleansed and brought near. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, that though he was with God and was God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, and humbled himself by becoming obedient to death on the cross. Secure in that knowledge of his love that God has for you in Jesus, love one another, just as Christ has loved you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the love that you have for us in Jesus, and we ask that by your grace, in your mercy, by your spirit, you would help us to love others. Help us to do this knowing that you love us so much. All this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. With all our heart and with all our minds, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the world and for the welfare of the Holy Church of God, And for the unity of all peoples, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our bishop, for our bishop-elect, and for all the clergy and people, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our president, for the leaders of the nations, and for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the city of Birmingham, for every city and community, And for those who live in them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the good earth which God has given us, and for the wisdom and will to conserve it, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who travel on land, on water, or in the air, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, And for the sick and the suffering, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
for the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For deliverance from all danger, violence, oppression, and degradation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy that we may end our lives in faith and hope without suffering and without reproach. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In the communion of saints, let us commend ourselves and one another and all our life to Christ our God. To Thee, our Lord, our God. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all men, we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed, by thought, word, and deed, against thy divine majesty, provoking most justly thy wrath and indignation against us. We do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous unto us. The burden of them is intolerable. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. For thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please thee in newness of life, to the honor and glory of thy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of his great mercy hath promised forgiveness of sins to all those who with hearty repentance and true faith turn unto him. Have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, to the end that all that believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a true saying and worthy of all men to be received, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. The peace of the Lord be always with you. God's peace to all of you this evening on this Monday, Thursday service, which seems so strange uh, because here we are talking about gathering around the table to partake of the Lord's Supper, and yet we're prevented uh, from doing that right now. Uh, But I pray that you have come to understand that you're able to feed on Christ spiritually uh, by being in fellowship with Him and His Spirit living within you, uh, that you are partaking of His body and blood even now. And yet there is something singular and uh, something unique uh, about coming and gathering around the Lord's table and receiving the bread and wine. And so we long for the day uh, that we're able to get back together as a church family and come to the table together to partake of that supper. We're very thankful for the technology that allows us to connect with one another this evening. We will be back together tomorrow at noon for our Good Friday service and again on Easter this upcoming Sunday morning at 9 a.m. We're also very grateful for your continuing generosity during this season. Our church staff continues to process mailed offerings during the week, and we have digital options available to you as well. Uh, after this service, you may visit adventbirmingham.org give G-I-V-E, for details. Uh, For although uh, ministry has changed around here, it has certainly not stopped. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Assist us mercifully, O Lord, in these our supplications and prayers, and dispose the way of thy servants towards the attainment of everlasting salvation, that among all the changes and chances of this mortal life, they may ever be defended by thy gracious and ready help. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Grant, we beseech thee, Almighty God, that the words which we have heard this day with our outward ears may through thy grace be so grafted inwardly in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living to the honor and praise of thy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.
Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks Thanks be to God.